0: Yeah.
2: Greetings. Final podcast of the year. This is the Steve Day Show here on Westwood One, powered by CRTV. Full house here as we just wrapped up. Almost everything. We've still got one more show to go tonight on CRTV, which Aaron and I believe... We're going to air that on Facebook Live this evening, right?
0: Yep, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Time is when that uh, that show will get underway with all of the zany hijinks and shenanigans. And uh, a frolicking good time will be had by all, because I know we all had a good time taping it, right? Indeed. Uh, we've all got our ugly Christmas
2: sweaters. You'll yep. get a chance to see those tonight. Uh, and we're doing it on a Facebook Live, so this is the one time you don't have to be a CRTV subscriber to catch us, yep. which means you know we're going to be using this to promote you guys becoming CRTV subscribers. That's kind of how this works. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Promo code DACE20. You get 20 bucks off an annual subscription. Uh, that's that's a really good deal i mean we had that for black friday and that was it but uh i asked them uh to open it up for us tonight uh yeah tonight for the show and the next couple of days you can use that promo code dace 20 get 20 bucks off you get your a mug with steve dace's mug on it you'll get all of the other talented people on the show and you get steve when you help us reach a thousand subscribers you get steve singing a christmas love song
4: yeah, I'm not so are looking, you looking forward, forward to, that. to
2: that. I'm not looking forward to that. I know what song it is, and I'm not looking forward to that. I'm not <laughs>
4: praying that the show reaches yeah, stagnation I mean,
2: levels. It's, it's just, you know, <laughs> I'm praying for a rain delay, essentially. Yeah, I'm not. You can tell in my voice that I
1: won uh, a thousand new ones, but
2: yeah, I, I, I should have just gone with Would it Crowder got waterboarded. I should have just copied him. Yep. Yeah, he got waterboarded for
0: subscribers. I should have just gotten that. Nah. You yeah, know, I should have gotten waterboarded. You took one. This one was harder, though. I mean, this I is... I should
2: just let you clockwork orange me. Just tape my eyelids open and make me watch just like terrible things for like five minutes. Yeah. Because this, this this, is... I'm I'm afraid. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm man enough to admit it. I'm actually afraid of what's coming tonight. I'm afraid. So we're also going to break down uh, the year that was, top 10 stories of the year. Go back and look at my predictions for 2017 that I made 12 months ago. Find out what, if any, I got correct. We're gonna gaze into the crystal ball and predict uh, ten big news stories I think will happen in 2018. We'll uh, honor our non-determined gendered or non-gender-determined being of the year. So we want to be all inclusive here on our show. You know that's how we roll. Champions of diversity, are we? Uh, our video clip of the year. It's gonna be a lot of fun. You don't want to mess, miss it tonight. Facebook Live. It's a free end of year final episode, and then we're out of here till January 3rd. Uh, With some much needed Christmas vacation for you guys after what I have to do tonight. It will be psychosis and psychiatric counseling for me because I will be triggered, scarred, and um, I'll need therapy. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. That's how you can uh, let us know what you think about what we think. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Last name is spelled D E A C E. It's our final podcast of the year. We're going to have some very special guests to close this out later on tonight or later on here in this episode. So uh, hang around for that. But I've got here, I've cleaned out the inbox. I've got here a list of emails that are, it's not all the emails I have, but it's it's a good representation of all of the various topics. So I thought we would close this out rapid fire. I'm going to call on one of you as I go through each of these emails to respond. And then of course, if somebody else has something, want to add, you may. All right. But that's my plan as i'm putting one of you on the spot after i share it. Are we good to go?
0: Let's go. So I got to pay attention to this podcast. Yes, you, okay. Yes. Okay.
2: Richard Panetta writes, "Hey Steve, you're so effed up, it's hard to believe. You went from someone i admired to someone i can't stand now. I made the mistake of listening to you, which will probably be for the last time. I got a refund from CRTV. Have a nice life, Steve." Todd your thoughts. <laughs>
1: You didn't throw that to mm-hmm. me. <laughs> Are you one
4: of those guys who doesn't think you should be able to have a beer and love Jesus at the same time? I don't I don't know
2: what precipitated this. Yeah, I don't know what it was.
4: Um, <laughs> There's no one else what's on What's the CLTV? saying? Don't let it hit you in the rear on the way out? Yeah. Don't let what, it
2: hit you with the the Lord's split shit? It, it,
4: to not have the courage to, to at least itemize one fundamental reason why. Well, in fairness, he probably has
2: several valid reasons to feel this way. This is, after all, the Steve Day show.
4: Enjoy your temper tantrum. Tell us who you found that's better.
2: What do you
0: think, Kim?
1: I think it was hilarious. I mean, everyone should be able to say what they want to say. And Richard's going to be happy somewhere else. That's fine.
0: I am slightly concerned that he started listening to us in the first place because that says more about us than it does about him, maybe. No, no, he's, no.
2: I just wanted to start off with something that I thought would break the ice a little bit.
1: That's funny. Think You like that one? I do. Right.
2: Jeremy in North Carolina says, The number of people displaying these opinions and behaviors are on the rise as well. Um, and he means people that um, disregard our Constitution. I missed that part in the line. I'm sorry. The number of people who are displaying opinions that they don't care about our founding documents and, and are behaving like such are on the rise as well. What stuns me so much is that I knew things were bad, but I had no idea what the true extent of the damage was until watching over the last couple of years. People who believe in our Constitution as our highest man-made law are a rapidly shrinking demographic and it distresses me more than I thought it would. Do you and the team feel anything similar to that, and do you have any constructive ideas for how we can reassert the influence of the Constitution? Kim?
1: Whoa, Jeremy, that's excellent. and I, um, I share the same concerns. One of the things that bothers me the most is when someone says um, especially the liberal progressives they say that uh, first amendment rights are not for people that trigger them you they have no understanding why the first Amendment was there and they even equate if you say something that triggers them that means violence so then i can respond to you in violence that's what we're seeing more and more of and i think what we have to do is always respond Mm -hmm. to that kind of um illogical thinking
4: we need to get them to say that out loud. There was somebody at some protest. We ran it on the show. I think out loud. I said, "I don't care what the Constitution yes. thinks or oh, whatever." The yeah. Make them say it out loud because that's you realize that right now. But a lot of people are going on with their life, and they quite and maybe even when they do realize that they won't care. But right now, we need to bring it to the forefront: the fact that they just don't care about the Constitution.
0: Make them uh, make them understand individual rights, but uh, if they if they have ears to ear if, here, if you can find any that have ears to ear, help them to understand individual rights and where they come from. Uh, and then the progressives who are just in a cult, uh, full-blown progressives, uh, just ask a lot of questions.
1: They're a little fascist is what we have.
0: Yep. You know,
2: the Constitution begins with which words? We the people. In order to form a more perfect union. So what came first, the people to the Constitution? People. The people did. So that means if, if we want to uphold what's in the Constitution, did the Constitution make the people or did the people make the Constitution?
4: People made the Constitution.
2: What kind of people? Oh, a moral. A moral and religious one. Mm-hmm. So therefore, if we want the Constitution to be reaffirmed, what kind of people are we going to need?
4: Moral and religious. We're
2: going to need a moral and religious people. I mean, constitutional government doesn't make a people moral. A moral people want a constitutional government. That's true. Lawrence Woods says, with all the focus on men and how evil they can be, I see some things that aren't receiving the attention they need. What about the stories of multiple teachers and their sex romps with teenage boys we've been seeing for years? I recall in my career that there were unethical women who actively pursued men in the workplace as well. This is not entirely a man problem, but a mankind problem. Wrong is wrong, regardless of the gender involved. Aaron.
0: Yeah, so long as that... I mean, we've said the exact same thing on the show before. So long as there is a culture in which uh, people, both men and women, are willing um, and really uh, not discouraged from sleeping with one another to get something from the other person, uh, then this type of behavior is going to go on and on and on and on. That takes two in the equation. And we've we've had... I, <laughs> can't remember who it is but when i'm i'm seeing these stories i'm paying attention to well um if the woman says well it, it was consensual at the time but now that i'm looking back at it i really don't appreciate the way blah 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 doesn't make it right doesn't make the whole situation right um but again that underscores the culture uh at at large that there is uh there is this undercurrent that um that people are willing to really do whatever it takes to get to the top and it's not just men women are willing to do that as well and I, I i want to hold my own side of this species more accountable than i do the others uh and i want to say and i want to say um don't uh you know don't don't even be in, put yourself in a position to where you have to deal with these allegations ever uh but i do have to acknowledge that there's there's two sides to this equation
2: Tim Blake in Washington State says people with a voice like yours... I'm sure, I don't think are going to be tolerated as in the public five to ten years, if not sooner down the road. This means our voice will almost certainly only be present at the ballot box and then eventually cast out from there as well. I also want to say your show has been a great help to me throughout the political events and happenings of the past few years. Since I discovered your show at the beginning of 2016, I've been thoroughly intrigued and encouraged by your approach to politics and faith. And I think God is using your show to help train up the following and current generations to not just survive, but thrive in the coming culture Tide. thanks for all you guys do todd
4: oh, you just described why this is worth doing uh, regardless of what ultimately happens to the show uh ours is to be faithful outcomes are for god
2: matthew trant with maybe the most perfect piece of feedback to this show we have gotten this year it, mean, wasn't, it
4: wasn't it was the first Richard? one
1: it's, it's you suck days no, this, this is this
2: is this is like perfect Oh. This this encapsulates like everybody's reaction to the show. Matthew. Yay or nay in one pithy note. Matthew Trant says this. I find you aggravating at times and I'm not sure if I like you yet. What I do know is that I admire your conviction. I hope you can find a way to continue fighting for what's good. Is that not like a perfect encapsulation of the wide range of responses we get to
4: this show? you have the jingle that you just can't get out of your head. <laughs> I'm uh,
2: Lou Vega. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. Even one that did that song. Yes. Right? You, know, you know. what I'm talking about. Yeah.
1: Well, that's uh, what you want. You want people to, you know, stay around long enough to see why they agree with you, why they don't, and still stay around.
2: Right on. Lawrence from Maryland says there's been a lot of condemnation going around socially as you are probably aware of I was recently caught up in a situation where a good friend of mine was caught in an immoral yet not illegal act he's asked forgiveness from the affected parties but after the but after the acknowledgement of wrongdoing I was asked why I did not condemn him I asked several times what they meant by condemn but the definition was circular and we didn't get anywhere I recognize that what he did was wrong but does that mean I am no longer allowed to associate with him for any reason whatsoever I've always considered condemnation to be the harshest thing you can do to a person. It's a statement that doesn't allow for redemption at all and I don't feel comfortable stepping into a territory I believe belongs to God alone. Judgment, on the other hand, is a responsibility I have as a citizen of the United States. I'm aware of the laws of the land and I evaluate actions to determine if they transgress the law. I've no problem with that. I know that condemnation and judgment are similar, but I'm having a hard time reconciling the rather casual usage of condemnation. I can't tell if I'm holding on to an old-fashioned use of the word or if I'm wading into some spiritually murky waters, what do you think? Uh, Lawrence, one message that I've given a lot when I've preached in churches or I've taught a lot when I've done worldview or discipleship training is that we, we conflate many terms. Two of the terms that we, are, that we terribly conflate in our culture and even in our churches are consequences and condemnation. All right, those are not the same thing. For example, the term condemnation in our legal code largely comes from tenant law, real estate law, right? So the city or the county finds that a building is not up to snuff. It's violated its code of of standards for safety, health, hazard, et cetera. The very first time it violates that code, is it, con- is it usually condemned the very first time? No. Are there consequences, though? Yes. Maybe even the second time is it condemned. Usually not. Are there consequences, though? Yes. If we have repeated violations, eventually, when the city sees that you have no interest in reforming as a, as a landlord or a tenant or a landowner, and says, clearly you do not want to abide by the law, what will the city then often do when it's beyond, when it's beyond salvageable? What will the city do? Condemn. It will be condemned. What does condemned mean? Beyond salvageable. Paul writes in the New Testament there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Now why would there be no condemnation for those who are in Christ? Because Christ is the ultimate salvager. Nothing is beyond his, the scope of his rede- redemption except one thing. Your rejection of it. Other than that nothing is. Nothing is. And so if God has forgiven you, did you earn God's forgiveness when he forgave you? No one's ever earned it. No one can. So what has been freely given has been done so by grace. Not by your power or might or your work, but by the power and might and works of another. In this this case, the Redeemer, Christ. But, but, because we cannot be condemned, meaning there is no point where once we are in Christ, Christ says, "Your soul, because once I have saved you, you're forfeit. No one can snatch you out of his hand, Jesus said. But that doesn't mean there are not consequences. If tomorrow there was a new story that said, I had been keeping a secret kiddie porn habit for many years. And the police raided my home and they found it. Would I be condemned in Christ? No. Would there be consequences for my action? What would happen? Would I face criminal consequences? Yes. Yes. Would I face business consequences? The show, the platform that along with CRTV we have built and now Westwood won. Yes.
4: And family consequences. would, Would
2: there be family? Yeah. Would the consequences go away? No. If I repent and I ask Christ to forgive me of this, will I be condemned for it if I'm sincere? No. No. But Jesus sits at the cross, flanked by two criminals. One is unrepentant. It says, let me die alone. Let me die. Quit talking, jammering over there. I want to get this crucifixion thing over with. And the other one says... To Jesus, you're an innocent man. You've done nothing wrong. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, Today you will be with me in paradise. Did he look down at the Romans and say, Because this man has asked me for forgiveness, don't hold him accountable for his criminal actions? Is that what he did? No. That thief, by the word of Christ, I believe, after he closed his eyes, woke up with Jesus in paradise. But he closed his eyes nonetheless. He died right up that cross for his crimes. He was still facing the consequences of his actions. There are consequences for our actions. And those are there to help us to count the cost of, do I want to do this bad thing? Is it worth the cost I may pay? It is there for those of us who decide, yeah, I don't really care about the cost of those consequences, I'm going to do them anyway, that it may help to further incentivize someone else who might want to come along and say, when they see the consequences we pay, oh, I don't want to pay those, so I'm not going to do that. The consequences never go away, even in Christ, but the condemnation does. Don't conflate those two things. Kim, I believe it's your turn. Do you want to add to that?
1: I don't. That's, that's well, well put. And I understand what Lawrence is going through there. I mean, that must have been. I, I would like to know more about what he's talking about, but um, I think you handled it.
2: Don says it's not easy being Jeremiah, but someone has to do it because the world needs a thousand Jeremiahs. And you guys' show is one heck of a Jeremiah. You are doing what you were called for. I don't think I'm any kind of or were any. I, to me, anybody can be a prophetic voice. Anybody. You'd be a prophetic voice on your Facebook wall. I, I don't believe I'm called to some formal prophetic office. I don't believe that. I don't. I think I'm called to uh, sola de gloria. I'm called to glorify God with that which He has given me, and to whom much is given, much is required. I'm, I'm, I'm called to, when the Master returns, to settle accounts. Show that I have multiplied the talent that he gave me. I did something with it. It didn't just sit buried. Um, and I, I say that, Don, not to, um, I, I don't mean to sound like I'm um, ungrateful for the kind words. I am. I'm, but I'm pointing out that we're not special, we're not famous. Since my kids were little, when they used to ask me, Are you famous, Daddy? I always always told them only Jesus is famous. I'm just a guy named Steve sitting here in an ugly sweater, preparing to humiliate myself on Facebook Live in front of thousands of people tonight and never live it down.
1: All right. And yet we strive to be you know, to hear well done, good and faithful servant. Yes.
2: yes. But but anybody else could do what we do with any platform that they have. Yes. I'm not doing it meaning we're not doing this because we have some specific calling we're not a shepherd in a field named Amos that God calls in in between you know his once a month showers and says hey here are some words that I gave you write these down and put them in the the scriptures that's not we don't have that calling we have the same calling everybody else has glorify God that's it and so we are thankful, Don, that you are acknowledging that we are trying to be faithful with that calling, but it's not a unique one. It's the same one that all of you listening right now who call yourselves believers have the exact same calling. Aaron, your thoughts?
0: Yeah, it's, it really um, doesn't get any more compl- complicated than, than that. Um, and the prayer that I have ongoing is uh, always, always that God that, that my motivations would line up with God's will, um, and and my mission in life, which is ultimately to glorify Him. We we get into every single detail but uh, every single detail of of the things that we talk about in in, um, the day-to-day business of of doing this for a living, whether that's culture or politics or a little bit of both or a mixture. Um, But at the end of the day, uh, God's gifted us. He's given us a platform. First and foremost, he's he's given you a platform that uh, you've been able to to share with others as well. Um, And we're just trying... At the end of the day, to use that in a way that glorifies him to the best of our abilities. And maybe um, at, you know, at the end of this month or the end of this year or in five years, um, this won't be um, where God has us. And that's okay. Uh, we will continue to open or walk through doors that he opens. He will continue to close and or open doors, and it's our job to, to just be obedient to him and to walk with him throughout all of that. It's not really any more complicated than that. Not always easy, but it's not any more complicated than that. And I do appreciate the compliment, um, mm-hmm. but uh, at the end of the day, that's just where we're at. I think. So along those lines, have a little
2: accountability here. This is from Damon. He says I don't always agree with you, and it might be weird if I did, but your earnest and steadfast work actually called me to faith and helped me in becoming a Christian myself. I'm very, very grateful for that. That's why I want to ask you this question. Are you all right? Ever since the accusations against Roy Moore broke, you haven't been the same. You've been more hostile, more erratic. You appear to be frankly in pain. I've seen you lash out at a lot of people in groups. To be fair, I lash out at a lot of people in groups frequently, but I get his point. And I actually think the quality of your arguments has gone down, in my opinion, and that's highly unusual of you. It doesn't matter whether I agree with any of your positions or not or whether you agree with any of mine. All that stuff is irrelevant. As someone whose life your show has helped to change for the better, I always want the best for you guys. But I've seen a change in you, and it's been pretty rough for me to watch. I doubt you'll respond to this or anything, and that's fine, but I just wanted you to know that there's at least one person in your audience that really cares about what you guys are doing and uh, is praying for you to find peace again. So, Todd, let me throw that to you. Think Damon's onto something? I mean, you sit here every day. I'm, I'm asking. I mean, I don't know.
4: Well, you and I had a conversation about this last week after the Roy Moore election. And this was for all of us who supported him for one reason or another. Hey, this is absolutely a good punch. But Rob R- 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 Moore's just a dude in Alabama uh, to me. I mean, he, in many respects, it, with this po- political thing, we're dealing with cardboard cutouts and hoping for the best. You know, Steve actually knew this guy uh so i th- i think it's the kind of thing like a a a, div- a, a divorce or uh uh dare I, dare I say even you know a death it's just it's raw it's personal there's no way it's not going to uh leave a scar and so that's what i saw with uh my own eyes i didn't i didn't i never saw him uh, compromise his convictions and we come from different areas. you know I sympathized with his argument ultimately because of my own circumstances about when when you're accused of something and everybody instantly wants to see you hang you haven't done it we uh, Steve's talked about this frequently uh, on a regular basis uh, recently about oh, hold on a second let's not. Live our lives as knee-jerk executioners. Let come, let us reason together, especially in the hard times, the hardest of times. So, uh, your point is well uh, taken, but um, it, it, trust me, Steve is not unaware of this, and it's why, probably more than ever, he's one of my primary reasons for being here on the show, uh, being part of Steve's life at all, is to say, hey, what do you think about this? And he's done that.
2: I would say um, I've actually wanted to lash out a lot more on a personal level. Um, I've had to... Yeah, this was you pulling back. It honestly was. I've had to mute a lot of people's accounts that are friends of mine that I like or respected because they don't know the man and the level of instant hang and judge, some of the ridiculousness like he wanted to undo the amendment that allowed women to. I mean, it's just, it's just it, it, it was, it got to the point of Roy Moore derangement syndrome, but I also knew that I could not trust my own emotions. So I was not the person to wade in and comment on it. But I also knew, therefore, on the same token, I couldn't just abide letting it ride either. So it was best for me just to mute those accounts and not let that enter into my world because I really just. There was so much hypocrisy with this story beyond his own guilt or innocence, either way, that I just found beyond nauseating. And I still can't even stomach it. I, I still can't handle it. Um, it's 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 one of the most disappointing things I've ever witnessed in my career. Maybe the most disappointing thing. And when you throw in what we've all been through for the last two years, that's I think safe. that's saying something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and, and now to watch Democrats go out there and say that we were hasty in telling Al Franken he should resign just the whole fakeness of this and, and if I was a family member of one of those women and I knew her and I believed her or if I was a friend of Roy Moore's and I knew him and I believed him I'd be equally angry at all of these people because almost none of them on the right or the left were ever really interested truly in what the truth here was almost none of them were what they were interested in is undoing or redoing the result of an election they didn't like and that means if we're going to if we're going to use these women and or pay them off, I don't know, use them or pay them off, whatever side of this story you're on. Or if we're going to we're going to assassinate Roy Moore or expose Roy Moore, it won't be for any of the reasons most of you that have a position on this were hoping. It will be strictly for political posturing. Nothing more, nothing less. And these are people's lives. People's freaking lives. And the whole thing, the whole thing I found vomitous. Vomitous. And I still do. I mean, it only ended like last week. So... I'm going to do do something I rarely do and ask for a little grace. Give me a few weeks here. I've got more bile I still need to swallow on this one. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure, I, I'm, for some of these people, I may never be over. It. Some of them have shown to be so duplicitous, so fake, so phony, that I've just crossed them off the list. Tim writes this talking about the origin of human life darwin left god out of the whole evolutionary equation but god was there just the same survival of the fittest is correct the best will win but when you put god back into the equation you will find that the fittest now means not just the strongest but the best fit the fittest for god's purposes the rest get canceled out or limited since it's not the preferred go forward candidate Now, how can God follow an evolutionary path since he's perfect? Well that's where you and I may differ. I believe that God, like any good parent, wants his children to grow up and become as good as they can become. However, any good parent knows that children must learn at their own pace, albeit governed by their parent, so they don't go too far afield. Even after this life, our path of progression isn't done. And thus God gives those who manage his worlds and those that help direct life the freedom to follow a plan of growth and development. That plan Darwin saw in part and called it evolution. Darwin left God out of the whole evolutionary equation, but he was right just the same. Tim, you have a very romanticized view of Darwin and an under-romanticized view of your creator. Other than that, I'm saying there's a chance. First of all, Darwin's intent, as he made very well known in his subsequent work, for the rest of his adult life until he perished was to remove God from the equation altogether. You cannot look, you you can't tell us what Darwin meant by his work. Darwin does that. This is where you're progressiving progressivism. I'm going to do progressive reconstruction of my own progressive reconstruction. I'm going to decide what Darwin meant when Darwin said I'm going to decide how the world came to be it doesn't, neither one of those approaches works that way the, 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 the story of the scriptures and the origin of human life can be wrong and Darwin can be wrong one can be wrong and one can be right they cannot both be right one says we were created in God's image the other says we weren't created at all other than that though, yeah I think they're totally controvertible it's one or the other. And there isn't a, neither God nor Darwin left you another option. Go read Descent of Man. Darwin knew full well what he was advocating. He was not advocating any sort of God-ordained process. And this also explains why immediately in the years, immediately thereafter, when the Darwinists took, out, took over Harvard Law, they got rid of God's natural law. This also explains when Darwin, Darwinian adherents take over anywhere in academia, who's the first person to go in every curriculum? God. What's the one person you're not allowed to acknowledge on any faculty staff? God. They know what they're doing. I'm not going to let you get away with, with reconstructing Darwin anymore. I'm going to let you get away with reconstructing God's word, Tim. You're trying to take... You're, wait, Tim, this is a classic example of, I would prefer not to make a choice. And so I'm going to decide and pick and choose for myself what the choice will be. And for a while, the Darwinists are going to let you get away with that, Tim. Until they get rid of all the people like me who will stand up for your freedom of speech and freedom of conscience even when I think you're wrong. Once they get rid of people like me, they're like the Muslims, okay? Like the the progressives love Islam because they see it as a destabilizing force against Jews and Christians. But once the Judeo-Christian viewpoint is gone, the Muslims aren't converting to progressivism, guys. You know what they're gonna say? Well, no. now that the defense, now that now that your one lasting defense is toast, off with their necks! Smite him at the necks! Bust out those hadiths! The progressives are next. Let's finish the job. Darwin, the Darwinians will do the same thing to you Tim. Once they're done saying people like me are single-celled troglodytes uh, that uh, are a bunch of uh, you know unintelligent plebes, and they've cast us to the hinterlands of society. Then people like you who are going like, to try to find the middle way, oh, you're all toast. There will be no middle way, accommodated, accommodated by, the, by these people, because they're the true dogmatists. They're the true fundies here. So no, you don't get to re-construct uh, what Darwin wrote. Darwin had no intention of sharing his glory with another. He knew full well what he was advocating, and he advocated it on purpose. He wrote his own exegetical, uh, uh, ethical man, manifesto, The Descent of Man. That's what came next. And we have essentially lived out what he wrote in The Descent of Man. That's what the West has become for the, for the last several centuries. What Sweden is doing now by, quote-unquote, erad- eliminating Down syndrome via just killing the kids who have the, the, the cellular structure for it, that's right out of Descent of Man, man. Right out of Descent of Man. What Planned Parenthood does, making sure there is a, a baby-killing clinic in every poor minority community in America, right out of Margaret Sanger's playbook, right out of Descent of Man. Right out of it. it it's literally verbatim, man. Verbatim. And, and God has a much better plan for you other than fumble around in the darkness and figure it out. And I'll give you the room to fail over the course of millions and millions of years. God's plan for you is I sent my son. So you have to fumble around in the darkness. The people who are in darkness have seen a great light. There is a great light. And it isn't let's just try for millions of years and, and see who's the best. No one's the best. No one is good but God. None would choose him. God is the best. You have this totally backwards. Totally backwards. But here's the difference between me and the Darwinist, Tim. I'm going to accommodate your conscience and your constitutional rights because I'm going to use mine to try and do what I'm doing now and convince you of how back-assward your thinking is. The Darwinist will accommodate you no such accommodation. None at all. Aaron, your thoughts?
0: I need to be careful here because I don't want to make it sound like I'm definitely assigning a a motive um, behind why you would try to reconcile uh, evolution, um, Darwinistic, Darwinism, I should say, Darwinism uh, to Christianity or belief in God. But I think if you probe, but just from what I have witnessed, so this is anecdotal, uh, if you probe um, individuals who try to reconcile the the two things, Eventually, you will come to a place where they'll basically tell you, I need to make my God reconcile with the creation. In other words, you're putting the created things up here mm-hmm. and God down here. They turned the truth of God into a lie, uh, worshiping uh, and served the create uh, creation rather than the, the creator. I'm not saying this is Romans 1, because again, you're trying to reconcile those two things, but understand the hierarchy here and make a choice which one is true which one rules the other which one created the other is it god or is it science does god get to define science if yes then you have a higher view of god than you do of science and you're on the right track but if you need to re- make sure, make sure that your god reconciles with science then that's i think the wrong way to go about it and not saying again that uh, this uh, listener is is doing that but i think a lot in a lot of cases People and highly, highly intelligent people really have a hard time with this because the evidence that they've been taught their entire lives and that they continue to be in, confronted with mm-hmm. seem to indicate that Darwinism or theistic evolution or uh, evolution in general is the definite pro- uh, possibility, the definite Uh, origin of where we came from. And so it's a really tough thing. And I get that. But just make sure your hierarchy is always correct. Look at it through the lens of this is created by an almighty God. And I think that you'll be at least on the right track.
1: And I wanted to add something for Tim. Um, I know exactly where you're coming from. Uh, my husband and I worked through this. Uh, and one of the books that we really enjoyed was Darwin's Black Box. Mm-hmm. Um, that is Michael Behe. And um, yep. and the the subtitle is The Biochemical Challenge to Evolution. I highly recommend you get a hold of that.
2: Yeah, there's a reason why, in my response to Tim, I use the term Darwinism and not evolution. Because there's lots of different... Are we talking microevolution? Are we Go talking ahead. macroevolution? Yeah. What's the origin of species? That's what we're really talking about. Darwin there. is, is, is yes.
0: uh, a, a philosophy. Yes,
2: that's exactly what it is. It's an alternative to the notion that um, the earth is a special creation and is the Lord's and everything in it. That's really what it really is. And it was meant to be. And he knew it was meant to be. And he didn't hide that from anybody all along. That's, that's, and, his, and his most adherent followers, when they take over a scientific institution or academia, how do they behave? Do they, do, they, do they tolerate, forget tolerating us, do they even tolerate people like Tim who dare to meld and syncretize the two worlds? they tolerate any of this thought? No. No, none. Mm-mm. Because they meant for this to be their own alternative inquisition. God is a jealous God. He will not share his glory with another, but there's an even more jealous God than the almighty God. The most jealous God of them all is us. We're even more jealous than he is. Final one. I love you guys' ongoing discussion this year on judicial supremacy, but I'm torn with this question. And Drew asks, When do you feel it is morally okay for states to ignore certain congressional laws and regulations that violate the Constitution? Well, A, do not conflate judicial supremacy with congressional laws and stipulations, number one. Okay, those are two different things. Congress makes the law. Courts don't. So we have a very clear mandate. We have a very clear, it's called federalism, a very clear path of what laws supersede others. The issue here is, is, is judicial supremacy is usurping that process by saying that a branch of unelected officials off to the side over here get to impose their will on the machinery of federalism whenever they damn well please. And they don't really need a good reason for it either. They can just decide they one judge, one federal judge, we can have 27 decisions that Trump's travel ban is good. The 28th guy decides, well I didn't like Trump's campaign rhetoric, so it's not good. So we don't go with the previous 27 precedents, but this guy who's number 28 on the list, he's the new law. He gets to usurp the entire federalist stru- federalism structure, which is essentially the essence of a constitutional republic. Don't conflate the two things. They're not the same at all. At all. To me, there are two instances when a judge should be ignored. One is when he violates his oath of office. What is his oath of office? To faithfully execute and interpret the laws of the United States of America and its Constitution so help me God so if a judge were to decree everybody named Todd can be murdered tomorrow we should tell that judge we're not going to do that we are going to impeach you though instead and maybe actually put you on trial and that's exactly what we should have we should have said to the Supreme Court in Roe v. Wade is at least one governor of the United States of America should have said I'd like to see it come down to my state and enforce that one I'm not, I'm not signing off on. I, I, sign, I, I did an oath of office to execute the laws of the United States of America. And the laws of the United States of America say no person shall be denied life, liberty, or property without due process of law. And I will not do that which you, your ordit, your, your edict cannot counterman the Constitution. You're not the Constitution. You, judge, have to submit to it every bit as much as I do. That would be one time. A clear violation of your oath of office. The the other time, would be a clear violation of their jurisdictional authority. There is no no, it's not implied. Like you can you can look at the you can look at the Constitution and, and see that maybe they implied some form of judicial review. I, I, you don't ever hear me argue about judicial review. Why? Because we don't have we're beyond judicial review. We have judicial overview. We we literally don't know what the law is now until the judges tell us. It's like, we well, have a Congress at all. Just sit up there and propose ideas and send it up to the various circuits and let them tell us, is this the law or not? There is literally zip-zilch nada in the U.S. Constitution that allows any jurisdictional authority for a judge on the issue of immigration or the issue of determining uh, who can serve in the military or not. not. Nothing. In fact, the military has its own separate code of justice, by the way no jurisdictional authority at all and you know you know what a judge who exceeds his jurisdictional authority can't therefore do can't execute his own edict see our argument in Iowa when we had the gay marriage issue when we got rid of the judges we never argued that the judges could not rule our DOMA our Defense of Marriage Act unconstitutional it says right in the state constitution they can do that and then it follows that up by saying, but then judges are not allowed to determine the law. They cannot, therefore, make their rulings the effect of a law itself. And we found how many precedents came in recent years where the Iowa Supreme Court ruled something they thought was unconstitutional, but then sent it back to the legislature, the lower court, because they, therefore, knew they did not have the authority to act and say, this is the remedy. That's we right. think this is unconstitutional, so this is what you're going to do instead. How many of these precedents did we find? multitudes why they make an exception here because they made one when they said to the they said to the local county clerks hey starting on this date in april you're going to start issuing these licenses they know they could not exceed that jurisdictional authority they just didn't care the county clerks don't even serve under their branch by the way they're in the executive branch because they're executors of the law which means they report to who the governor not to the supreme court
1: and that's why we have, still on the Iowa, uh, Iowa Code, that marriages between one man and one yes. woman. Yes. Yeah. Because they can't take they it can't out. They can't take it out.
2: So, it comes down to, have you violated your oath of office, number one? And number two, have you violated your jurisdictional authority? Anybody want to add any thoughts to that?
1: I'm glad that Drew's talking about civil disobedience is really what he's talking about. Amen. When are we ready for that? I think it's a tragedy, Uh,
4: It's been a punchline of mine to talk about uh, instant replay. Uh, But look at what we expect as uh, voyeurs of sport. Got to get it right. Look at every call from every angle. Don't just take the word of the officials. Yet, when it comes to the judges, they're like, yeah, well, they they just said what it is, and we got to listen to it. Yes. Grow
2: up, everyone. Grow up. Yeah, we, they don't even play by the rules of their own precedents anymore. No. That's why I brought up the whole thing with the Trump travel ban. We had how many decisions that affirmed that it was okay? And then, uh, so how many, how many courts can say this is good and then another court somewhere on the other side, like, it's bad? Which one do we go with then? See, you guys who love, you love your stare decisis. That's a, co- that's a complicated legal term for essentially precedent reigns. okay. You don't even go by your own methodology. I've got 19 precedents that says this is okay. You get the one ruling that says what you wanted to say, and now suddenly that's the law? That's banana freaking republic crap.
4: It was a scam all along, just like tolerance was. No doubt.
2: Thanks for getting me all worked up here at the very end of things. I'm going to go home all hyper now. So we're going to say goodbye to Kim and to Todd. Merry Christmas, you guys. Merry Christmas. Christmas. Happy New Year. We'll see you in January. Awesome. And now we will welcome in some very special guests to close us out here today. That's right. The Dace children are here with us again this year as we uh, say goodbye for the year. And we close out our final podcast by asking the next generation of Daces, what did you learn this year? And we'll start oldest to youngest. Anna is here. You're now... Sixteen. I can't believe it. You, <laughs> you drove here. You followed me the whole way, and I did my best not to like babysit you from my rearview mirror the entire I time. I drove
5: way better than you on the way you, here.
2: You did very well. Yeah, you did I very know. Well.
5: <laughs> and, I did really good. <laughs> yeah,
2: and considering you have my other uh, two children in the car with you and not with me, it was uh, you did okay.
5: Thank you. I appreciate uh, I, it.
2: Give me some credit. I, I've I've handled this better than you probably thought I was going to.
5: I mean, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's come to the point where I ask mom for stuff now instead of you.
2: I, well, let me say it this way, then. I'm I, I'm handling better than I thought I was going to. All right, so what'd you learn this year, Princess? What, what one big lesson or any lesson did you learn this year?
5: Um, well, this year I did a lot of theater, and this time last year I did Willy Wonka, and it was like my first theater show. And... Um, This time I did more of them and I realized that there was a pattern in all of them that there were a lot of little kids Mm -hmm. within the show and there were a lot of older kids within the shows and the older kids didn't really like to mix with the younger kids and the younger kids felt intimidated by the older kids and so the younger kids would have their group and the older kids would have their group and then the older kids would be rude to the younger kids and it was just like a thing Mm -hmm. and I guess growing up with siblings of my own I decided to kind of break that whole barrier. Kind of bridge the gap. And so, I mean, I have friends now that are Zoe's age or that are 12 years old, and I have friends who are 16, just because in theater, you really bond and you're a family, and Mm -hmm. there shouldn't be really any age barriers in that because we're all there to do one thing, and that's bring, like, enjoyment and to uh, have a show put together for everybody. So I guess I learned that... Younger kids are just as important to a show as older kids, and they should be treated the same.
2: So, like your old man, you've learned how to be a great unifier. Sure, because that's that's what people know me for.
5: Okay, <laughs> we'll go with that. <laughs> all
2: right, that's a good lesson. All Thank right, you. all right, sweetheart, you're next, Sozo. All right, so um, you're you turn twelve this year. Yes. Okay. And <laughs> sorry, you are in year three of violation of the agreement we made when you were a very little girl that you were not permitted to get older than nine. Do you remember this? No. No? I'm, I, I do remember this um, and you're violating it. You're, you keep getting older, you're not You're not permitted to do that. I, I've already got Anna over here driving all over creation and making all these adult decisions. Um, who's gonna cuddle with me now? You don't do that anymore.
3: We have a dog. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. All right. So what did you learn this year?
3: Um, well, I learned that it's better not to judge somebody on their appearance because if you judge somebody on the way that they look, you could be missing out on being some friends with somebody that's like really nice or something like that.
2: Hmm. Well, that's a good lesson to learn. Yeah. So, that, is that your way of telling your dad all this time I was judging people based on the way they look? No. And then I learned not to no. do that anymore?
3: No, 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 no. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. I just learned that, like, s- some people judge people on what they look like because mm-hmm. a lot of my friends do that to people and I just, like, don't like how they do that. So, like, I just try to include everybody, even though if they're, like, they are not as tall or as shorter. Or as, any, as everybody
2: else. Like. You've always been like that. You've always been for the underdog. You don't like it when people like turn their back and shun other people. You don't like that, do you? N-
3: no, because I've been, that people have been doing that to me for
2: a long time. So, so, so. you kind of know how that feels. That's a pretty <laughs> yeah. good lesson. That's a good lesson too. All right, Stud, you're up, buddy. All right, so Noah turned 10 this year. He'll be 11 in a couple of months. Now the difference with him is I'm looking forward to him growing up, right? I, I, I've got one more year, maybe two of lawn mowing and, and, and driveway shoveling, and then I am not mowing a lawn or shoveling a driveway for at least four or five more years after this, all right? So, what did you learn this year, big man? What did you learn?
3: I learned that um, since we've been going to a new church and stuff, I've learned that a lot of people have been calling me like tiny. Uh, t- this kid has been calling me tiny and stuff. Mm-hmm. His name is Caleb, and I've just been trying to be nice to him and stuff
2: you calling Caleb out I like I, that I
3: think that's I think that's right I, I don't know if it's, that's his name okay <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's his name but um I've learned just to be nice to people even though they might say that you're tiny or you're ugly or something like that just to be nice to them and on Sunday he actually laughed at something I did hopefully naturally
2: no. oh so <laughs> you you've learned that um God God doesn't say we only get to be nice to the people that are nice to us. We only get to be kind to people that are kind to us. Is that what God says? Yes. No. that's that, I mean, no, uh, sorry. No, yeah, I know what you meant. I know what you meant. Okay. All right. Um, any final thoughts before we sign off? No. No? All right. <laughs> It was a pleasure having you guys back here again this year.
3: Thank you. You
2: guys did exactly. I mean, this is perfect. I mean, Anna talked about bridging generations. Noah talked about killing people with kindness. And Zoe talked about uh, sticking up for uh, the underdog. You guys, you guys did a great job of reading off the scripts that I gave you to make it look like I'm a Thank good dad. You. I appreciate it. So, you're welcome. You guys did great. One last question. I scale of one to 10, one being terrible, 10 being absolutely fantastic. Rate me as your. How did I do as your dad this year? How did I do?
5: No, don't do that. Don't Why not rate him? How, how did I, I, I wouldn't do? do it. No. Yeah, I don't want to rate you as a dad. Yeah. No. How eight.
2: Did I, you give me that's that's a, that's a good answer. Six.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I just did eight to just be like nice. The whole Caleb thing. Yeah, like Zoe
2: that. said eight because she doesn't like people being shunned, so she just yeah, gave me a nice yeah. score to be nice. <laughs> what do you get? What do you have, Anna? Zoe. Noah says six. Zoe says eight. What do you think?
5: Um, I'll go with like a
3: seven. It's like an in between.
2: I go with a seven. It's in between. That I'll... is
3: not the real number she would rate you. She's just trying to be nice. <laughs> all
2: right, I'll take it. I have very sensitive self-esteem. I will take you guys uh, 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 stroking my ego and lying to me. Thank you for coming in. All right, Merry Christmas, you guys. Thank Merry you. Christmas to all of you who tuned in uh, for the last year. Uh, it's been a pleasure. We'll see you again in January. Until then, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. John three seventeen.
1: i